Well, good morning. Hey, will you pray with me right quick before we jump in? God, I thank you for today. And, and Lord, I thank you for what you've already done here. God, I thank you that you've already, um, God, blessed us with your presence. And so, God, I pray that as we move forward to this morning, God, that as I open your word, that we will notice very quickly that this is not a very popular topic or very popular book. But, Lord, we're praying that you would use it in a magnificent way today. God, that you would move in all of our hearts and that you would bring us closer to you um, through our honesty and transparency with you. So God, today, just do what only you can do and bring people to yourself. In Jesus' name, I ask all of these things. Amen. Um, it's always unbelievable to me when God moves in the way that God moves. Um, this is, a, uh, I guess, a series that, that God laid on our hearts about four weeks ago. And I love it when I see God's fingerprint and God's handprint on everything in our lives as, as we see him moving and don't realize that's what he was doing the entire time. Um, because I'll be honest, when God laid the book of Habakkuk on my heart, I thought, God, that's got to be a prank call. That's got to be something wrong here. But what's unbelievable is um, some of you probably know that our staff went away to retreat and we left last Sunday afternoon and came back on early Tuesday morning. And as we got home, um, we came home refreshed and restored and renewed, and, and it was a great time for us to grow together and grow together in the Lord. And, but then when we get home, within 10 or 15 minutes, that restoration and that renewal became tested because of what we ended up stepping into. And it's like every time we turned around, um, something was going on in the life of our church family. And it was heartbreaking, it was difficult, um, but... It's amazing to see that this is what God had orchestrated some a month ago to allow us to walk into this season that we're going to walk through over the last couple of weeks. But today we're going to look at one of the minor Old Testament prophets. And um, I know we hear Old Testament and a minor Old Testament prophet. And you think, well, that's some theological statement. No, it's not. A minor prophet just means it's short. Okay, that's really it. Then there's the three major prophets and those are bigger. Okay, that, that's really the biggest, the weight of what the minor and major means. Um, but Habakkuk is very unique in that, how it's written and what it's written about. You see, most of the times when God would reveal something to one of his prophets, they would get a word from the Lord and then they would go to the people and speak to the people about what God had told them. But this is the one prophet that what he writes down, what he records is actually the opposite. You see, God revealed things to Habakkuk. God showed him things of what was to come. And instead of talking to people about God, what ended up happening is Habakkuk talked to God about the people. So it's actually the opposite of what the rest of the prophets have written about. And so we got to see here um, that this is what is about to happen in the recordings of this book. It's a conversation between God and Habakkuk and Habakkuk and God. And what's interesting in this is um, I got to kind of build the, the background and the history. I, look, I was a PE teacher, okay? I'll just go ahead and tell you. I'm, I ain't no history teacher, but what we're going to try to do is talk a little bit of history here for, for just a minute, just to catch you up. And I think when we describe what's going on right now, what God is letting Habakkuk see, you will be able to connect and relate to the life that he is, he is seeing what's in front of them. You see, what's happened is this, this book was recorded. It was, it was written down some 600 years before Christ showed up on the scene. And you see, in that moment, 
Um, actually, 400 years prior to that, we had the 12 tribes of Israel. They were unified under King David. They were all together. But now we fast forward 400 years to 600 years before Christ comes. And what's happened is those tribes have begun to split apart. Ten have moved north. They moved to the northern part of Israel where they took on the name Israel. Two of them stayed in the south or went south and they took on the name Judah. But the problem was, is all of the tribes that were in the north, they had fell into exile under the Assyrian army. They had been overcome by the enemy. And so what Habakkuk is seeing now is you have these two, these two tribes that are in the southern part of Israel by themselves. But what he begins to see begins to break his heart. What God begins to reveal to him is we will read later on that they basically had started to turn away from the teachings of God. They had started turning away from his word. And so we see that sin is beginning to be birthed in the camp, inside. But also while the enemy's doing a work on the inside, we also notice that the Babylonian army or the Chaldeans are now becoming one of the greatest world powers and they are now beginning to close in on these two southern tribes of Judah. And so what's happening, what Habakkuk gets to see is not only is the enemy at work inside, but also the enemy is attacking from all areas from the outside. And so what Habakkuk is seeing here is he's just seeing what's taking place is almost suffocating. It's almost smothering as to what's going on because I think about as God reveals these things to Habakkuk, is he processing what's going on? Is he saying, you know what, just... Several hundred years ago, all these tribes were unified. They were all in one place. But now 10 have been overtaken by the enemy. Now the two that were left are beginning to fall apart and they're beginning to be overtaken by an enemy. And it just seems that evil is rising up on all sides. It seems like the enemy is coming from every area of life. It seems like the enemy is closing in from every single direction. How many of you can say, man, that's my life? The enemy is at work in my family. The enemy is at work in my job. And I look around at this world and I see the enemy just closing in on all areas of my life. And today, I feel like I am under attack by every direction that I look. And it feels the enemy is winning. And it feels that I am being crushed, that I am being ran over. And not only am I being ran over, but he's putting it in reverse and he's backing back up. And it's like every way we turn, we see the enemy. And it seems that we're defeated. It seems that we're falling into destruction. And so Habakkuk is processing all of that. And here becomes a man who is now, he's brokenhearted. He sees the enemy pressing in on all sides and in his mind, I wonder, is he feeling that there's no way out? There's no way out. You know, as I shared, we got back last Tuesday from our staff retreat, and in the moment we got home, it was like the enemy was attacking from every way, shape, or form. You know, Brandon and I left um, South Carolina at like 3.45 in the morning to, to go and pray with his grandfather who was having open heart surgery that we prayed for last week, and and so, yes, there was a lot of emotion. There was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of worry going into that. But then also we've seen people and families in our church that have been fighting cancer, that have been faced with life-threatening situations. 
We saw another family this week who has been praying for a miraculous diagnosis from a doctor about their child and they left the hospital a midweek with still no answers. We've actually been a part of two funerals this week where from a worldly view, it looks like people have lost their battle to cancer. I've got to pray with a man this week that had a lot of things going on in his job and he felt like every way he turned, things were going wrong. And so while I think we can, if we will all be honest here this morning, we can say, hey, look, that's where I'm at. I feel like every time I turn around, the, the enemy is just sowing destruction that the enemy is just attacking every way that I turn. You know, as we were a part of the funeral yesterday, we, you know, we see a, a young man who in the world's eyes lost a battle to cancer, who left behind a lot of sisters, who left behind two children, who left behind a wife, who left behind a mom and a dad. And we see all of these things happening and we see death, we see sickness, we, we see family drama, we see marriages falling apart. And if we get serious and we look at what's going on, we feel like the world is closing in on us, which is exactly what Habakkuk was feeling. It's exactly what Habakkuk was, was seeing. But what I want us to do today is I want us to look at how he responded. Okay, here's what I want you to understand too. This is not going to end today. Okay, so some of you are probably going to be leaving here this morning going, man, I can't believe we ended on that note. But you got to stay. Okay, so you have to be back next week. You have to be back the next week. And you have to be back the next week. You get where I'm going with that, right? Okay, so, so make sure that we can all be disciplined enough to try to walk through this book together. Because I think what we will see in just a moment, the way that Habakkuk is about to respond to what he's seeing, what he's watching take place, what God is revealing to him, I think we can all relate. If you're not there right now, I can promise you you've been there. And if you've never been there, I promise you, you're going to get there. Okay, so let's, let's read in Habakkuk chapter one. And we're going to start with verse one and just read part of verse two. But it starts out in verse one. It says, the oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw. This is the vision that God has given him. That's what he would allow these prophets to do. And he would basically take them there. They would see what was going on in the future and what was coming. So he's watching destruction. He's watching the chaos. He's watching what seems that the enemy is winning. And listen how he responds. How long, O Lord, will I call for help? and you will not hear. You know, I think if we stopped right there, we can all say, yep, I've been there. Man, I have called out to God. I have begged God to move. I have begged God to do this. I've begged God to do that. And I don't even think God hears me. I don't even think God is listening to me. You see, where we have to be careful when we read God's word, I don't know why we don't do this, but there's a lot of times that we read God's word and we don't realize the emotion and the feeling that goes on in these writings. Hey, I grew up listening to country music. 
Oh, don't y'all, I don't listen to country music. How many of you listen, have, have listened, we'll go BC. How many of you listen or have listened to country music, right? It's not a good country song unless you're crying, right? It's gotta be cry. there's got to be tears in order for it to be a good country song. If it ain't making me cry, then that writer, that author didn't do his job. Right? That's the way country music is. There's emotion that goes into it. We can listen to any country song and you're either going to be crying, you're going to be mad, or you're going to be laughing. There's emotion that go into the lyrics of writing these songs. Why don't we realize that there is emotion that goes on into the writings of these books? There's emotion that Habakkuk is feeling here. The Bible says that he called out to the Lord and he says, how long, O Lord, will I call and you not hear me? I don't know about you, but that sounds like a country song. That's like that girlfriend you're calling, she won't call me back. <laughs> when I send her a text and I see the bubbles pop up and they go away and she don't ever respond. Y'all, that's in a country song right now. Y'all know, <laughs> see, y'all know now. I got you. <laughs> so you need to repent. I'm just kidding. I already know it too. But what we see here is we see the honesty from Habakkuk. He's saying, God, I've been calling out to your name. I've been asking you to do something, God. And I'm even wondering, do you hear me? Do you hear me? You see, when we look at that word call in this passage, it is basically translated, the word that they translated for us in English is it's just a calm conversation. It's just an honest, clear, just straightforward question. God, how long can I call and you not hear me? God, are you even hearing what I'm asking? Because the truth is, is all of us as believers have been there. We've all been at a place where we have asked God, God, you know what? I'm to the point, I'm just tired of praying about this. God, I'm tired of praying for so-and-so to be healed of this disease. God, I'm tired of praying for my marriage to be restored. God, I'm, I'm tired of praying for my child to return home. And God, I'm so tired of it. I'm just wondering, God, do you even hear me? God, are you even listening to me? And so we see that that's where Habakkuk's at. He's in this place of, almost just scratching his head. God, I've been praying. I've been begging, but God, where are you? If we can be honest with one another this morning, if you've been right where he's at, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Probably everybody in this room has been right where he's at. God, I'm praying. God, I'm praying for healing. But God, do you hear me? And now I think literally, I think about my own home. And after last week, I'm going to be careful how I share stories about my home. <laughs> yeah, y'all, if you weren't here, do not go watch it online, okay? Because you probably won't be back again. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, but thinking literally about this, I think when I, when I need one of my kids to do something or I need one of my kids to help me with something. You know, I'll be sitting in the living room or I'll be outside and 
I'll start out a lot like Habakkuk here. Let, I'll pick on Brock because he's in here right now. So you're already embarrassed. So when I call to Brock, I'll say, hey, Brock. 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 And then after 17 times of saying Brock, it begins to progress. Brock. Brock. Brock! What? Did you call me? But you see, that's exactly what's taking place in the emotion and the way that Habakkuk is praying. He is having a conversation with God where he says, God, I've called to you and God, do you hear me? He's frustrated now. So we look at the second part of verse two and look into verse three, he says, I cry out to you violence, yet you do not save why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on to wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. You see, there's a problem with how I read that. There's a problem with how I just read what Habakkuk said. Because when we look at the phrase there, it's different than call. When he says cry out, do you know what that translates to? He literally screamed at God. He did exactly what I do to my child. When he doesn't answer, when he's not doing what I want him to do, it escalates. It gets louder. It gets louder. So he's at the point now, God, if you can't hear me, I'm going to scream until you do. And so now in the context of that writing, here's what it sounds like. How long, Lord, will I call for help and you not hear? I cry to you, violence. Yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look at the wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and construct is arising. All these things are falling apart, God. I am seeing it and I want you to do something. I am tired of you not listening to me. I am tired of what I'm watching. I am tired of watching my family fall apart. I am tired of losing my job. I am tired of losing my kids. I am tired of you not healing people that I know have cancer. So God, why don't you do something? And some of you are going right now, I cannot believe he's talking to God that way. Why don't we think we can talk to God that way? Yes, he's holy, he's righteous. But what I want us to learn as we look at Habakkuk and the way that he prays, there's two things that I want us to take from today. Just these two things that I want us to take from today. And number one is this, be honest with God. Be honest with God. You see, there's a reason that we as humans in our earthly relationships, we a lot of times don't like to be honest with each other. You know why? Because when we're not honest with each other, when my opinion doesn't agree with your opinion, do you know what it does? It causes conflict. It causes separation. Because your opinion doesn't line up with mine, we're gonna fight about it. 
You're going to get mad at me. I'm going to get mad at you. And all of a sudden, conflict brings forth something that brings separation in our relationships with earthly people. But the problem is this, is we have put our relationship with God in the same bubble that we have put in relationship with earthly people. Because we think that there is no way that we can disagree with God, that we can be honest with God, that we can truly tell God how we feel because we put God on an earthly level and we think if we're honest with God, then God's going to get mad at us. And we think that God is going to bring conflict between him and I. He thinks he's going to be upset with me if I truly tell him how I feel. You see, there's a big problem with that. The difference in our relationship with God and our relationship with people is he's an omniscient God. He already knows how you feel anyway. He already knows the anger, the depression, the anxiety that you are feeling inside your heart. But only thing that God is wanting you to do is he is wanting you to voice that to him. He is wanting you to be honest with him. He is wanting you to let him know how you feel. He's wanting you to let him know what you're struggling with, what you're wrestling with. Because see, he already knows it anyway. He already knows it anyway. But you see, the only difference is, is we don't like to be honest with people because we don't want to cause conflict. We don't want to have problems with other people. But you see, the difference in our heavenly father is this. He's not like earthly relationships. Our earthly relationships are very conditional. I'm going to love you more the more you agree with me. That's how we've kind of put this thing together. But what we forget is that the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the God of all gods, the only God, the one name, he loves you unconditionally. He loves you right where you're at. He loves you in spite of your opinions. He loves you in spite of what is coming out of your mouth. Because remember, we've said it a thousand times, there's nothing you can do to make him love you more. And there's nothing you have done that can make him love you less. He loves you right where you are and everything that comes with you and everything that comes with you. You know, David wrote in the book of Psalms, you don't have to turn there, but in Psalms 13, one, David, how do we define David? He was what? A man after God's own heart, right? This is a man after God's own heart. I want you to listen to what David cries out in Psalms 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? God, how long do I have to watch this? God, when is it that you're going to do something? I'm sick of seeing it. This was a man after God's own heart. And what we see about David here is what? He was honest. He was honest with God. Because he trusted God's love. He knew that God was going to love him in spite of what he was saying, despite what he was feeling. So not only does God want us to be honest with him, but also the second thing I want you to take from today 
is that it's okay to pray with emotion. It's okay to pray with emotion. He cried out, I just read it in a very loud voice. He cried out violence. He's screaming at God. God's not doing what he wants him to do, so instead he gets louder. He doesn't think God's listening, so he, pro he projects his voice louder as to be yelling at God, so thinking that this will make God do something. He's angry, he's frustrated, he feels alone. And so while David was honest, I want us to look for just a moment at a man who prayed with a lot of emotion. A man who prayed with what was going on inside his heart, with what was going on inside, all the turmoil, all the, the anxiousness. And it's a man that you, you may be familiar with him. Um, I think his name was Jesus. Yeah, that's it. His name was Jesus. You see, he walked through a very similar season you see, before Christ died on the cross, before he began his journey to Calvary, we know that he went to the garden and he prayed three different times. God, let this cup pass from me. God, you've got to do something else. God, you've got to show up. God, you've got to do something. God, you've got to make another way. God, you've got to do this or you've got to do that. And we all know where he ended up. We all know that he ended up in faith. We all know that he ended up in a place of saying, but not my will, but your will be done. We all know how that ends. But the part I want you to see is that while he was fully God, he was fully man. He was crying out to God what you and I have cried out many times. God, do something. God, do something. I don't want to walk down this path. I don't want to walk through this journey. I don't want to lose this loved one. I don't want to see someone die to cancer. I don't want to lose my marriage. I don't want to do this. So God, please do something. And Jesus himself prayed that three different times. But I want you to look at the emotion that Jesus prayed with. Look in the, the gospel of Luke chapter 22. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verse 44. We see how much emotion that Jesus was really praying with in this verse. This is right after his prayer in verse 33 and 30 and 40, or 43 and 44. It says, and being in agony. Did you hear that? Jesus is walking right in the center of God's will. He's walking in the direct path of which God has called him to. And it says what? That he's all bubbly, that he's all happy? No, it said that he was in the middle of agony. He says, in being in agony, he was praying very fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. You know, we've heard that, that scripture a lot. We always share it around Easter and right before the crucifixion. But what I want you to see is that's not just some made up story that all of a sudden something magically began to happen to Jesus's face and blood began to drip instead of sweat. You see, when you research what truly happened, science even proves, science even believes that this is actually a medical condition that was taking place in Jesus's body. The medical condition is called hematidrosis. And I want to give you kind of the definition of what it is. It said it's rare, 
but it is a medical condition, I'll get it out in a minute, where blood escapes through the sweat glands. Blood vessels surrounding the sweat glands constrict until they rupture. So you've got a sweat gland that is just surrounded by blood vessels. And what ends up happening is those blood vessels finally constrict to, to a point where they finally erupt, they finally explode, and the blood begins to flow from those sweat pores. But what's interesting enough about it is, do you know what causes it? Extreme anguish. Extreme anguish. Extreme agony. Being in a place where you are so stressed out, where your anxiety is an all-time high, and I would pray to God that nobody in here has ever suffered from that. That you've been to a place where you were so overweighted and so weighted down with the burdens of what you're walking through that those blood vessels begin to pop because you were in total anguish of what you were walking through. But we see all the emotion that Jesus himself is even crying out, God, do something. God, do something. Even to the point he even cries out, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus said, I am so sorrowful. I'm so broken over your people, God. I'm so broken over my people that it's gonna lead to my death. And we know that even though Jesus prayed, even though that earthly son prayed to that heavenly father for him to do something that we know how the story goes, that Jesus went on to the cross, that Jesus died for you, that Jesus died for me. I don't know about you, but I even think literally again, here's a, a father, there's his son, and that son is crying out, Daddy, make it stop. Make it stop hurting. I remember when Brock was so sick, I remember the first night in the emergency room, he was in so much pain. I remember standing outside and the doctors pushed us out in the hallway. They were getting ready to do the first spinal tap and they, they shut the roll door open on, or shut it completely to on the emergency room door. And I remember the last thing I heard was my son crying out, Daddy, make it stop. And you know what I did? Nothing. I didn't have the power in me to make it stop. I ran down the hallway as fast as I could to get away from his voice because I didn't want to hear it. But I can promise you this, if it would have been in my power, if I would have had the ability to stop whatever it was that he was feeling, you better believe I would have traded places, I would have done whatever I had to do to make it stop. You do know that God had the ability to make it stop. But God loved you enough. God loved me enough that he knew this was the only way to reconcile you back to him was to watch his own son die. That is a love like none of us in this room can understand. His son was pleading and crying so hard that he's sweating blood. He's crying out, Daddy, make it stop. 
but God loved you enough that he didn't stop it. He wanted to reconcile you back to him, so he let it happen. He let it happen. But I would ask you this question, when's the last time that you've prayed like Habakkuk has prayed? When is the last time that you as a believer have been completely honest with God? When is the last time that you have prayed with emotion to God? But we live in this little bubble world where we think we can't let God really know how I'm feeling. We can't let God know that I'm hurting. We can't let God know that I'm mad at him. Here's the truth, he already knows it. You say, well, Brian, what does this accomplish? So Brian, is it your heart's desire that we have a lot of people in the altar today and we just go screaming at God? No. But here's what I know about the God that I serve that when we come to him with honesty, when we come to him with transparency, if we're letting him know we're mad at him, if we're letting him know how frustrated we are, how we think he's not listening to us, the way that our earthly relationships are, if somebody comes to me and says, you're not listening to me, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna defend myself. I'm gonna begin to back up and feel like I'm painted in a corner and I'm gonna come out attacking. But do you know what God does when you come at him that way? When you come at God and say, God, you're not hearing me. God, I'm mad because you're not doing what I want you to do. Do you see what God's doing? He's saying, come here. Come here, my child. You yell. You scream. If you're mad at me, guess what? I love you anyway. Come here, my child. I want all of you. I want all of you. But you see what happens when, when we get to that place where we're willing to be honest with God, when we're willing to be transparent with God, do you see what happens? We've actually taken a baby step in the direction of having faith in this heavenly father because we're trusting God with our emotions. We're trusting God with our feelings. We're realizing, hey, you know what? This man loves me enough that he's not gonna get upset with me when I voice my opinion. So you see what's happening is maybe it's through the season that you're walking through. Maybe it's a difficult season. Maybe you're mad at God. You do understand the heavenly father is just simply saying, bring it to me. You bring it to me. Bring to me all your anger. Bring to me all your tears. Because the Bible says that he is near to the brokenhearted. He's near to the ones who are hurting. He's near to the ones who are, who are alone, who are angry, who are suffering from depression, who's suffering some anxiety. I'm not saying that it's all gonna go away today, but he is saying, bring it, my child. I want it because I want you. I want all of you. So maybe this season that you're walking through, the only thing God is trying to teach you when we have conflict with earthly people, we think out of sight, out of mind, right? We'll avoid them at all cost. But God wants us to look at him right in the eyes. God wants us to let him know how we feel. 
And so this morning, I would ask you, I would ask you, don't wait for an invitation time to come. If you can say, Brian, that's me this morning. I am mad at God. I am brokenhearted. And I need to know that my daddy loves me and everything that comes with me. I need to get transparent with God today. I need to be honest with God today. I'm going to ask you, don't hold back this morning. Don't let pride keep you in your seat. Don't feel like because you're inside church that you've got to think, oh, I can't hurt. I can't be alone because I've got to completely trust God with everything. Yes, that's where we wanted to end up, but that may not be where you're at today. And that's okay. Look, we buried two people this week. Do you not realize we prayed for God to heal? We prayed for God to heal this side of heaven. We prayed God to perform miracles here. He didn't. So it's okay to be mad at him for it. But all I want us to do today is to be honest with him. To pray with emotion and realize that no matter what you bring to him today, he loves you right where you're at. He loves you right where you're at. And so this morning, I just want you to be honest with yourself. To be honest with you. Are you mad? Are you sad? Are you angry? That's okay. You heard it said from stage last week. I remember who said it, but we want to be a place where it's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. But this morning, I want you to stand to your feet. God, I pray right now. Lord, as your spirit has already begun to move, God, I pray that we would submit to that movement, that we would surrender to that movement, God, that we would realize no matter what emotion that we feel to you right now, no matter how angry, how sad, how depressed we are, God, you are standing with arms wide open, wanting all of us, wanting all of us today. You love us that much that we don't have to hide anything from you. You already know what's going on anyway. So God, give us the obedience to be honest. Maybe you're just waiting on us to surrender it out of our lips today. And God, as we continue to walk through this book, we're gonna watch Habakkuk's faith grow. We're gonna watch him get to a place where everything doesn't even make sense, but he arrives at a place where he trusts you no matter what. And so God, today, that's what you're calling us to do. But today's the first step is to be honest and to talk to you with emotion. So God, move in this place today and allow us to move in response to you. In Jesus' name.